My name is Max, and this is the Power Source Podcast, a place where I talk about old school games from a new school perspective. That that intro is not exactly accurate anymore, but that's okay. Today I'm here with one of my co-hosts, Hirai. How's it going, man? Hi. Hi, I'm Hirai, and I'm real, but you wish I you wish I wasn't. Good job. We didn't rehearse that at all. Um, <laughs> uh, so t- today we're going to be talking about personal favorite topic of mine. Indie games. Independent games. I actually didn't know indies yeah. that like meant independent for like a long time. Really? Uh, really? Yeah, what did pro- you think it meant? I don't know what indie meant. I just thought it was a word. Uh, but, and I say for a really long time. I meant like until maybe two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> nobody explains things to me and I just assume the things are how they are. But we're going to talk about indie games because indie games are kind of a hot topic. Uh, as here yeah, I mentioned, with, uh, <laughs> go ahead. As recently as of as of the recording of this episode, Delta Rune Chapter Two recently released. Uh, you know the sequel slash spinoff slash whatever it is to uh, Undertale, which took the world by storm in 2015. Really, 2015? Actually, like really? Yeah, that's. That... I I think I mean a bunch of people were talking recently. It was like, oh, it's the sixth anniversary of Undertale, and I was like, no, it's not. Oh my god, no. Time is just moving ra- mo- faster than we can process it. But yeah. I think it just, like, it's like, oh, it's the sixth anniversary of Undertale. And I'm like, aha, I remember when Undertale came out. But then it's like, six years ago feels like I was still in high school, but I was in, like, my first year of middle school. And it's like, that's that's messed up, I think. That it's like, ugh, it's been so long. Okay, what is an indie game? What is an indie game? Because I had to Google what? this. Listen, indie listen. Games. Indie games. Listen, listen to me. Listen, I'm I'm sending beams directly into your brain. So it stands for independent game, which I said I did not know until two weeks ago. But like, the the definition I guess of an indie game is that it's like not supported by a large cast or a big video game company company or publisher. So it's like nothing like EA or uh, does does Ubisoft Usually, still exist? Anywhere from like one to five developers on a team not really studio back usually self-published but sometimes they find studios to publish but usually it just means that the whole team like the, the whole team that was used to develop it is less than 10 people. not barring volunteers and stuff because you obviously are going to need more than like 10 people in order for like marketing and uh sometimes you can need to bring in more assets but usually all of it is done by a very small group of people if not just a single person yeah they're very small teams sometimes even just one person that's kind of what i'm going to be focusing on right now but it's like um a, a big thing is that indie games kind of push the limits of what video games can be and what video games can do and are it's really associated with like taking risk and ex- being experimental and just kind of like you know being innovative and like that kind of risk like you, you can't usually take those kind of risks with AAA games because of how much money is going into making them, you know? Like how you can make, you know, it, it's the same way like indie games, like independent films or indie films, the same way where it's like, you'll see an indie film and you'll be like, oh, this is weirdly experimental. And it's the same way with indie games. And, you know, I'm going to talk about experimental indie games later because I have a big list. Um, At the same time, you don't have really, you know, you don't have your executives, your producers or anybody really breathing down your back. You are not just the, you know, the director of the project, but you are also uh, you're also the camera operator, you are the you are the cast, you are the uh, catering company, you are everything in this production pretty much. 
and you get what is essentially an unfiltered vision, right? Like, the only thing that limits you, are you is the technology and your budget. And if you, you know, if budget is no option, you know, if it's not a big issue, then you can do whatever you want. And people very often do. Yeah, it's like where you lack in, um, in like maybe a budget, you make up in creativity is essentially the option. That's why indie games take usually for something that looks very simple, it takes a lot more time to develop. Um, but we're going to start off with Undertale. I have a big list of indie games, and uh, we're going to go over them briefly. But Undertale took 32 months to develop. I don't remember how many years that is. Somebody do the math. That's That would be roughly, uh, I want to say, like, three, uh, like almost three, three years. It's not bad. But, um, but it took 32 months to develop. It's an uh, it's an RPG, right? Like that's what you would classify Undertale as. Yeah, it would be. It's it's very. It it pays homage to JRPGs. It's got turn-based battle. Uh, it's very inspired by you know Earthbound and Moon, but Moon is an anti-RPG, and it it's like it very clearly shows, right? Because it's like a, it's like a loving like, <sighs> pastiche is not the right word, but I'm trying to think of. It's like a love letter in like a fun kind of these are the things we grew up with and now this is my own take on an RPG, like a JRPG kind of game. Not a parody, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I guess a love letter I think is the best way to say it. Um but I remember reading that uh, it was really inspired by you know the Mario and Luigi series, like back of those RPGs, that it was really inspired yeah. by those ones. And uh one really interesting like aspect of Undertale was like the like the the whole like morality to it the like the the genocide route and like what was the other it was just, like the peaceful option and how yeah, in the whole game yeah you had your pacifist which is if you don't want to kill anybody you get a different ending right if you kill some people like because you know in rpgs your first instinct is you're gonna attack the things that are you know coming after you and taking health from you and if you kill some of them you know the game doesn't really shame on you for it because it's like it's understandable. You just end up going through a more neutral route, and you get to this sort of conclusion, right? Yeah. And, and then, and then, and then, if you want to go the extra mile, and you level grind, and you start fighting everything, even though you don't have to, right? You go seeking out enemy. Then, then you head head into the that no mercy, that genocide route. I like calling it no mercy, but yeah, I just remember that right. those were those were the terms that I, I like air quotes grew up with because I was in middle school, but like I always thought that was so interesting about how you could like first of all how your instinct as a player because when I played it for the first time my first instinct was to kill everything I saw because that's how video that's how I was taught to play video games by other video games like that's those are the rules is everything that's trying to hurt you you have to kill it back first that was the baseline rule I and thought- so I was like. When That's I how I was supposed to play. Undertale. Sorry. No when I first played Undertale, that was my first instinct, too. I think I was well on track to killing everything, but the difference the difference that sort of stopped my run was I got to Snowden, and I met Papyrus, and I was like, oh, I just can't hurt him. <laughs> and, and I just, I, it just stopped right there. And it really just depends, you know, on how much you like the characters and i think the characters are extremely likable in undertale that's another thing is that undertale 
first of all, had really good writing and was also just like the characters are so charismatic and ridiculously iconic, you know? Like, I, I think, like, I, I don't I haven't played until in a long time, but it's like, so it's like Papyrus, Sans Undertale. Oh my god, his legacy. Sans Undertale is the one that everybody knows of, but each character, you know, they don't speak with words, but they all have their own sort of unique, distinct voices, right? Yeah. There's no voice acting in the game. There's, they, they do the little, uh, like, Animal Crossing BBBs when they, when they talk. They all have their different sounds for it. But even then, within the writing itself, they all have their own unique voices, and I think that's. Yeah, it's real. It's it's really cool, and it's very interesting. I think it's a very interesting way to kind of attribute like voice to a character with no voice, right? Um, yeah. But uh, what else? Yeah, no, Undertale was huge, and I think it still is. And uh, you know, see, when did Delta Rune? the first chapter? Because it's going to be split into the chapters, first chapter right? Of Delta Rune came out. In 2018, so that was about three years ago, which is a little wild, right? It's like, how did you, how did this thing, right, end up becoming so big that it has a sequel, right? And then it, it takes another three years of development. Undertale, keep in mind, also took three years of development. And under and Deltarune is going to have chapters, right? It has, you know, chapter one, chapter two just came out. And it's going to have more chapters than just that. And chapter two took three years to make. And he released it for free. What a fucking champ. Sorry, I keep swearing. You use our one what swear. A- now we can never s- swear on this. We get one swear per podcast. <laughs> we get one swear per episode. That's <laughs> how we keep it PG. Uh, but in, it, it's such a, uh, a thing that it's like, you know, Undertale took three years to develop. Deltarune Chapter 1 took three years to develop. Sheltrune Chapter 2 took three years to develop. It's This game's not going to be done for many, many years, and yet it's still pretty consistently popular. And it's pretty consistently good. I haven't played Deltarune, but I have heard nothing but praise for it. I like... have watched my friends go through a couple of playthroughs in our own server. Like, everybody's, you know, coming into it on their own, and and, and like well all together but like they're all doing their own playthroughs and it's just i've seen the playthrough of chapter two several times chapter one not so much but you know everybody's really liking it i haven't played it myself either chapter yeah no i haven't played either one either either one either but um yeah that's why all i can say about it is that you know people like it and it seems you know pretty consistently high quality yeah, okay, wait, no, here's what I was- I had a point, I forgot it, and I missed it. Deltarune- not Deltarune, Undertale as, like, a whole thing, is legitimately got so popular that, like, remember- remember one of the- the- was it a Japanese orchestra that did a whole anniversary show for it? Yeah, that was around the same time that, uh, Toby Fox was working with Nintendo. Yeah, he got a deal with Nintendo, and they put Sans into Super Smash Bros, which is, like, do you- oh, everybody which went insane. the internet. That and Minecraft Steve. Remember that? Oh, and Minecraft good. Steve. Not the same update, but that happened. No, different update. Minecraft is also was also an indie game. That's another point. We'll it go was th- also an indie game. It was a very small... Uh, Mojang was a very small team before they... Uh, before Minecraft. You know what? We can segue, actually, into only... Minecraft. Huh? I said, we'll segue into Minecraft. Continue your thoughts. Sorry. Yeah. No, like, that's the whole thing. I think... I, I don't know if they... they... It worked on Dwarf Fortress, but, like, Minecraft was very inspired by Dwarf Fortress, right? 
And then they were like, well, what if we just made that, but like, I don't know, in Java. So it was very unintuitive because I don't know why. I don't know why. That's why in jo uh, Minecraft Bedrock is all plus plus because it's a little bit easier and to, to code with. And Java yeah. is kind of a mess. Yeah, that's how there's some... is a little bit of a mess, but it's very versatile. Yeah, it has, it has, it's more of, I guess, you know, it, 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 the language it uses makes sense. Bless you. Um, but Minecraft, uh, I've seen people call it a decade-defining game, and I completely agree with it. Um, because it came out in 2009, but it, the full release wasn't until 2011. And that game has, that is probably the first video game that I have, like, remembered playing because I started I played Minecraft and I was maybe in third or fourth grade like that's how like that that's for me it's, it has been around since I like remember things like genuinely the enduring, the enduring power of Minecraft is such that I went back to my old elementary school recently and the kids and the fifth grade kids were doing these PowerPoint slides that's like all about me and one of the kids put you know that he likes video games all the kids like video games you know, it's it's really much bigger than it has been before. But, you know, he put Minecraft on his his likes. And the teacher was even telling me about that. He's like, yeah, they're all into Minecraft and uh, Roblox and stuff. And I remember playing Minecraft when I was these kids' age. So the enduring power of Minecraft is is generational, I think. It's uh, It's only been about 10, 11 years or so. Maybe even, you know, more. But... I I would say that Minecraft is probably going to, you know, be continue to be like one of the top games for the next couple years, maybe even another decade. I think it's I can't remember if this, this is exactly, but I did see it recently that Minecraft was one of like either the second or the first like top selling PC game of all time just because it was so popular and like Genuinely, it's like it's like the Minecraft that these kids are playing now is so different from Minecraft we played as kids, obviously, because yeah. when the game released in twenty eleven, it was pretty bare bones and and had kind of nothing, but we still found a ridiculous amount of joy in it. And as time has gone on, they've added things, they've changed things, removed things, you know, shifted stuff around. But like because it's constantly being refreshed, and also the fact that it's a sandbox game and has endless like there is no story to follow and, and there is no limit. And it's on all kinds of consoles, right? Oh yeah, because, it's on everything. Because it's in, it's Java is for the PC, but for everything else, it's C plus plus, which means that it's pretty uh pretty console agnostic. Which means that it runs on it runs on your Switch, it runs on your mobile devices, it runs on uh Xbox, and it runs on P uh, on PlayStation. And you can play cross platform with your friends. Uh, you know, doesn't matter if you have a PC and they have uh they have an Xbox, or if they're on the Switch. Or if you both, you know, have iPads, right? You could still play Minecraft no matter where you go. Yeah, it's 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 fun on your own or with friends. This feels like an ad for Minecraft at this point, but um... no, but like, <laughs> it all started from essentially like a very small team of people, and then it got so popular on its own. I would attribute it its popularity a lot to YouTube as well. Oh yeah, because YouTube got I, really I big around the, the same time. YouTube also has a lot of marketability for indie because if you don't have a budget for marketing, uh, if you don't have the budget for marketing, you barely, uh, imagine you're an indie developer, you barely had the market, like the budget for developer costs, right? 
you would, you know, if you brought in somebody else to help, you know, help with coding or art assets or whatever, or if you're paying for server costs or things, or if you're pay if you're buying assets and and like coding packages and stuff like that, right? You've got a pretty minimal budget essentially, but you you're not thinking about how much of that is going to go into marketing and advertising. You're certainly not going to be able to get it on TV, right? You're going to oh, make yeah. a YouTube video about you know your your thing at best. Put that on the Kickstarter page or something, right? The power of advertising, at least within indie spheres, mostly comes from word of mouth, i.e. YouTubers, Let's Players, Twitch streamers, people who find your game and play it to their audience, and then their audience wants to get involved with it. So they start telling their friends about it. Maybe they even buy your game and play it for themselves to see what other choices that they they had were able to do that the uh you said youtuber didn't do right and it 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 kind of spirals from there right yeah youtubers are essentially like free advertising like if if you can get a youtuber to be interested in your indie game and they have a decent following even if they don't if their video just blows up for no reason and they have or like if a lot of people can see your video essentially i kept rambling but if a lot of people can see that video maybe not made by you but made by somebody else it can do like wonders for your game it can get bring a think about think about well what was that that five indie game not five nights of five nights of freddy's that's what i have that one written now but it's another one that's friday night funkin that's another one that's a, a, a indie game that's uh very very popular with the kids recently um and well, it's a rhythm well, game games that have fnf in there yeah that's acronym. that's why i couldn't remember i was like oh it's it has the same acronym but i couldn't remember five nights at funkin's <laughs> Five Nights at Funkin, Friday Night Fazbear. Very popular with the kids, you know. It's despite it not being for kids, but it's a very cartoony art style, very simple gameplay, and you know, it's challenging. It's hard. My God, I'm so bad at rhythm games, but also it's decently hard. My brother was playing it, and I was like, Oh my God! But I see videos of kids playing it all the time, and they just go crazy for this stuff. And like, I'm like, Okay, this I'm not a huge fan of rhythm games in general, so it's like not my thing. But like. You know, this was an indie game by my one guy just for, like, fun. And then all of a sudden it blew up. Now it's, I'm 90% sure. It's a free game, but, like, the donations he gets, I'm 90% sure it's his main source of income. It's, like, it, it feels almost luck-based, but it's genuinely a good game. I think Friday Night Funkin's a, a blast. But, um, speak, that, I think Friday Night Funkin hey, had a team. Came, that one came from Newgrounds. Newgrounds yeah. is a pretty pretty famous internet source for, uh, for creativity. And uh, just kind of, like, the like wild west of like what you can get away with that you know youtube won't usually host but it's like you know flash games and uh like practice for coding and animators a lot of people got their start on new grounds in the early internet a lot of animators a lot of game developers especially because of, of you know flash and stuff because that's yeah, you know a lost yeah. art at this point because of adobe that's but where, like uh, uh, henry stickman the guys who made among us puffballs united they they're first sets of games were Henry Stickman on uh, Newgrounds. I remember playing those when I was a kid. I wish you could see my face right now, actually. Is that true? Did did, did yeah. the guys, people who make Among Us, uh, Among Us, another indie game, did the people who make Among Us really make Henry Stickman? Is this true? Yeah, yeah. I'm... No, like, that's <gasps> like a whole thing is that you, they're, they're the newest map that they did. The, uh, the airship is directly based off of Henry, one of the Henry Stickman games. You can oh get Henry God. Stickman pets and like hats in Among Us. 
I wish you could see my face right now. I'm my I my jaw genuinely dropped when you said that. That's so insane. Cause like I, you know what? That's this is really funny. Is like so I don't. I'm trying to remember what I think Clipping wrote a JavaScript. Think about how big Henry Stickman and Among Us are now, and these guys got their start on Newgrounds. I knew I recognized the art style. I'm like, this looks so much like an old, like like an old flash game. That's so crazy. Like, I love the art style of this. I remember saying it when I first started, when I first played Among Us. But like, oh my god, that's anyway. That's that's insane. That's just generally surprising to me. Um, but Five Nights at Freddy's is another point. Um, Five Nights at Freddy's and Stardew Valley are two points I kind of want to talk about collectively. Yes. Um, because they were made, each one of them was made by one guy. But listen, let me list you some stats for Five Nights at Freddy's. It has 12 games. And it has a novel trilogy and an anthology series. And they're gonna make it into and, like, a movie. And graphic novels, too. Yeah, and like... Seeing those in a book in a bookstore once a few years ago. Yeah, it's like it has twelve games, and when did it come out? Like very, like very recently, like what? Twenty fourteen. Listen, twenty fourteen. Like four or five Nights at Freddy's games came out in a single year, like the span of a year. It oh was my on God. fire. It was like a wheel that wouldn't stop. It was five Nights at Freddy's was made by developer Scott Cawthon. Oh, another thing, free advertising is we're gonna link this back because we're we're connecting all the dots. Um, Matthew Patrick of Matt Markiplier. Matt Pat of Game Theory, so they, that one blew up on YouTube, and so people were making all sorts of for theory videos and gameplay videos and you know jump scares and all that stuff, and so it became super huge. And then you know, and a bunch the, of people ended up making their own Five Nights at Freddy's clones. They were super inspired by it. Oh yeah, I I, I didn't play I, any I of them, but you know things like Five Nights at the Krusty Krabs and stuff like were really big, and it would you know. The whole point of, like, Five Nights at Freddy's was that the guy who made Five Nights at Freddy's, Scott Cawthon, he had made video games before, but none of them were, like, super big successes, and he wasn't great at modeling, and somebody told him that the models in one of his games looked, like, scary, like, they, they didn't look, they, they didn't look cute at all, they looked like, uh, like, Chuck E. Cheese animatronics, they weren't, like, they were segmented, they didn't look very well put together, something like that. And from that came the inspiration for Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, and it was and literally then, a last-ditch effort for him. It was literally the last game. He was like, I'm going to make this, and that's it. That's the last game I'm ever going to make because I'm done. I'm quitting game development. He made it, and it, and it blew up. And it was a runaway success. And it, he never looked back. Well, I think until recently. Did he stop making games? I can't remember if he actually stopped well, or he, if he was just he, like... He did stop. He has retired recently. For a myriad of problems, but you know, he recently announced that he's stepping back from making Five Nights at Freddy's games, and he's leaving that in the hands of a different studio, basically. Um. Well, yeah. No, he he's retired from that. But like twelve games, novels, move like a movie that's gonna apparently been rumored. But it's like, wow. Like well, he the movie's he, been rumored for years and years, ever since it got popular. That's true. Everybody's, uh, I don't think it would do so good They're as a movie. They're never going to make like, a Five Nights at Freddy's movie. It wouldn't be as interesting. That's another thing. Is it, it like would not be as, It would not be as interesting, good, or timely as the Nicolas Cage Five Nights at Freddy's knockoff movie that came out recently. What? Sorry. Okay, listen. You want to explain this to me? Because I genuinely don't know what you're talking about. N okay. okay. Nick Cage... Five Nights at Freddy's knockoff movie. What are you talking about? It's uh, it's like a parody satire of Five Nights at Freddy's, but Nick Cage, because Nick Cage will take on pretty much any acting job that helps him pay, like his debts and stuff. Uh, he he's in it as like the security guard, and he like walks out into the into the 
you know, the playtime area or whatever, and, like, there's some haunted, like, animatronic shenanigans going on, and he just deadpan looks at them and, like, drinks a beer or something, and he's like, oh, same thing to deal with every night. Oh my like, he's god. Like a jaded grizzly security guard, and it's really funny. Can we, okay, uh, ignore this, but we I should watch this later. This is, this is based on the trailers. We've, okay, I'm gonna write this down as something to watch later, um, because that sounds genuinely funny. Uh, what else is on my list? Okay, I haven't played Stardew Valley, but I feel like you have. I feel like I've seen your Steam notification for Stardew Valley pop up many times. Um, uh, it was made by one guy over four years, and then it, yeah. it started out as practice, like for coding, just as for game development, um, but ended up becoming a huge commercial success. It's on the Switch now, isn't it? Even yeah, yeah, no, the guy who made it, his name is Concerned Ape. The guy who made Stardew Valley, if you've ever seen Stardew Valley, like gameplay or anything like that, it is this gorgeous little pixel art game. Uh, you know, it's like, and 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 it is it is beautiful. There's lots of like nice details and everything. You know, every every person in the town has lots of interactions that you can do. They have their own schedules. They go about their lives and stuff like that. There's lots of things that you, there's lots of things and activities. And it's always constantly updating as well, this game. This game came out in, 2016 and it's had a couple of pretty big updates that add new things that that squash old bugs you know uh it was out on on uh it was out on mobile as well uh you could get it on the app store for like seven bucks uh you know the and this guy essentially you know he started from there's a meme that's uh, that went around a few years ago that was like concerned ape is finally able to get a bigger desk uh and if you look at the guy's old desk, it's tiny. It's like the size of like like a school desk, like a student desk. And all of his like computer stuff, his tablet, his monitor is balanced on top of the desk, like really precariously. It's kind of scary to look at. Oh my god, I want to see this. That's awful. <laughs> but I've heard a lot of good things. Um, but I've, yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Stardew Valley. I've never. It's like um, from what I understand, it's like a farming simulator game, but also. Like you can date characters and like, uh, I I don't know what else. Yeah, farming you, sim. You, there, here's his desk. Oh my god, I'm scared to see this. <gasps> That's frightening. That's I did not. I I thought you were like exaggerating. I should put a link to this in the description of the video because this is genuinely frightening. <gasps> That's scary. It's, it's so scary. His keyboard is balanced on top of two speakers. <laughs> There's two speakers, there's two co- three- no, four coffee mugs on the table. One of them is balanced on top of a book on the edge of the table. <gasps> his, his monitor is balanced on- uh, it doesn't even look like a tower, it looks like a shoebox. Oh my god, that's scary. This, like, it's looks exactly like those, like, you know, awful PC mods. You'll see people when people build PCs inside of, yeah. like, watermelons or, like, crates and stuff. And, like, just, like, awful things. That's what this looks like. An awful, like, rate my setup. Terrifying. And then there are other pictures of it, too, where he, like, gets a bigger desk. And, like, there's still a bunch of wiring all over the place. And it's kind of scary. <laughs> That's ooh, that's genuinely frightening. That's that makes me nervous. It's like oh ooh, uh, I think this is maybe the st still the same desk, but like in a in like a different setup. And then he just get and then recently he just got a he got a bigger desk, so it's more like it's L shaped. It's got you know plenty of space for things, but you know. I'm scared. I'm looking at this like photo. 
He's got three. He's got two mugs and one cup on his desk, and he's got a bunch of wires. And underneath those wires, it oh, looks like doll wires. hair. And, of, and and a bunch of a, a bunch of wires next to one of the cups. It's really scary. It's very frightening. I'm like, this could fall over and kill you at any moment, sir. If, I hope. If, if any, if at any moment during the development of Stardew Valley, he had made a single wrong move, we would not have Stardew Valley today. We would probably not have him. He's gonna get electrocuted. What the hell? Like he's like, oh my <laughs> like God. that's frightening. Oh, that makes me nervous. Um, but yeah, like uh, scary. people. But like to, to summarize, uh, this kind of like you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up soon. But like to summarize that. I think it's so cool when people develop games all on their own. It's genuinely like a labor of love. But it's like truly, I think one of the like the the purest ways to like put your artistic vision into an interactive experience. And last year, um, uh, I had the opportunity to speak to um, a developer of a game that I found on itch.io um, called Ultra ADHD. Um, I streamed it last year, and the developer decided to stop by on the stream and uh, watch me play. And towards the end of the game, uh, we have this sort of... Um, there's, there's a moment in the game where you can speak with a personification of the developer, and you kind of have this very interesting, very frank heart-to-heart -heart, um, with him uh, about, you know, how you know how far he's come, and you know, how the development of this game kind of shaped his life, and you're very, you know, very frank, and you can exchange what your real names are essentially, right? Uh, you know, he, he introduces himself and then you can introduce yourself as however you want to be referred to in that conversation. And... And you know, in the in in the chat, you know, he was uh, talking in, at the same time in real time, not his avatar from the game, but Kim, the actual guy. And it was a very cool, very touching moment. Um, you know, that he has put basically this this small little game that he created uh, out into the world, and that you know, however long it's been if, since it came out, it was still reaching out to people, and he was still able to you know connect with people through that game uh and through people playing the game right yeah yeah i was i mean i'm i'm genuinely surprised i'm like do you have my notes or something because in like itch.io games was like the i was my next point like that was what i was gonna segue to i'm like is he reading well, my screen well itch.io is kind of the new new ground essentially right but yeah it's focused on like games and programs development right where it's like you, and you can sell your games on on itch.io right um where people you know come together for for all kinds of you know game jams and uh collaborative processes and they sell their games they give their games for free you know lots of different new and interesting and creative things are coming up on itch.io every day and uh you know if you haven't played a game from itch.io i highly recommend you go find you go find something you, you will look for something that you think you're never gonna find in a million years and i guarantee at least two people have done it on itch.io Oh yeah, and if you want some recommendations, let me give you some. Okay, listen, let me give you my list of recommendations. So here are some games that are not on itch, but I still think are good. Um, games by New Blood Interactive, so that's like Dusk, Ultra Kill, and A Medieval. I've played Dusk, and I've seen Ultra Kill, and I haven't played A Medieval, and they are really good, kind of, uh, very, like, they're trying to be, not trying to be, they are retro, new retro games, new retro first-person shooters, and they are amazing. Um, Altered Orbit Studios made a game called, or is making a game called Salako, which is essentially running on, I think, the Doom, a mod, like a, the GZ Doom engine, which is like a modified Doom engine, but it looks so 
like so futuristic and really like the graphics look amazing for Doom, which is like a really old game. Um, Eagle One, which is a group of developers working on Half-Life Alex or Half-Life Alex related mods, and Sandbox, which is made by Facepunch, which is a successor to Gears Mod. Um, not a successor, but which, Face... is, which Gears Mod itself was an indie, was yeah. an indie venture. It was just a mod until Valve stepped in and was like, "We're throwing our full support behind this." Yeah, and so it kind of uh, that was that was another you know gen indie game that close to my heart. Um, but as for itch games. Uh, I've been playing a lot of, I haven't released recently, but I, when I play on itch, I play a lot of like VHS horror is the only way I can th think of it. So games by, uh, Shane Yach and Corpse Pile, which are these horror games. Um, Shane Yach makes a lot of like eighties VHS horror. So it's like, it has a filter on it and it looks like a horror movie and it's, oh, the front is scary, very scary. And Corpse Pile makes horror games and one that I think is absolutely stunning and I recommend you play it. You might've seen it already called The Open House, which looks like sort of like um like a real estate like open house virtual tour but it's a horror game and it is so Ooh. good it is so I, good genuinely last, like last year i went and i i uh for october i decided i wanted to try playing some uh some itch.io indie games that i've had you know for for horror you know scary things and i didn't find too many but i did find uh you know ultra adhd which i do really highly recommend it's very funny very fun um, uh, and I won't spoil, you know, a lot of what happens here. I just, you know, the developer thing was the most important part that I wanted to talk about. Um, I also played uh, a game called The Devil's Tuning Fork, which is an old, much older game. Uh, I learned about it from Markiplier, obviously, but it is, you know, a puzzle. It's a puzzle game worth checking out on its own. Uh, it's about, you know, you're, a, you are a, a child who cannot see the world uh, it's it's all shrouded in darkness, and you have to sort of navigate via echolocation um, to you know solve puzzles and save a bunch of lost children. And um, and uh, what was the other one? Oh, the baby in yellow. The baby in yellow is a very short experience, um, but it it uh, was not one that uh, I got out of feeling like I had. Like I didn't, I didn't get out of that one feeling like I didn't get anything out of the experience. I think I spent like ten minutes cowering in fear from this baby because I just didn't want to pick it up. <laughs> like oh, I I think independent like indie horror games are generally some of the best. Um, another one that's really good that I remember when it came out and I watched gameplay of it and I didn't finish it because I didn't have money. I was like what like maybe thirteen, so I didn't have money to pay for the game and like. The developer specifically said, after this point, please don't, like, like put it on YouTube. Um, what was it called? Is it? I think it's called This Dragon Cancer. Do you remember that one? Genuinely. That one. that one, it was basically uh, a guy who was a, develop a game developer who basically made a game about the, his, the journey of his, like, four-year-old son when he got cancer. And that was a whole... That was what the game was about. And it was genuinely heartbreaking. I cried. It's It was very good. Um, but here, let me talk about... Listen... <laughs> this dragon cancer is genuinely good um but my i think my favorite developer of all time is a guy named nick k and i found his game please come over through markiplier because he was doing a lot of indie game stuff at the time and so he would just find games on itch and just play them and they would get really popular and so his game please come over was essentially like so you show up the, at his house at nick you, you you talk to the developer like it's him he's like i'm nick and nick is the name of the developer and, uh, you know, you hang out with him and you do things and he, like, 
replies to you but it's like so it's really low poly and very rough around the edges and you can talk to him about things and just kind of like look around his house and he'll tell you you're like he's like oh I used to share this room with my brother or like oh my mom used to you would cook in this kitchen or oh you know I would do this and it's like when I played it I felt so emotional about it because it was like oh it's supposed to be creepy but it didn't feel like it was supposed to be creepy I think that's just the way that people thought it was supposed to be but when I played it, I was like, hey, this isn't supposed to be scary at all. This is a guy who wants to talk about his life, but is scared to. And it wants to connect with you as a person, but doesn't know how to. And so you visit him and it's it feels like two old friends kind of meeting again after a long time of not talking. And uh, something really important to me about this game is that I actually reached out to the developer when I was like maybe 13 years old. And I reached out to the developer and I asked him about making games and I told him I wanted to make games. And so he gave me some advice and I asked him how he made his games. And throughout the years, I've been emailing with him back and forth about making games. And recently during the pandemic, I keep finding myself going back and back and back to please come over and just straight up just sitting with my friend Nick and being like, you know, it's, 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 this is genuinely like, I think about it all the time is how it feels like familiar, but in a very sad kind of way. And I think that's my favorite kind of indie game is where it's like just genuinely an art experience. And it's just, you know, and I connected to, like, the same way you connected to the developer where he literally spoke to you. In the same way, I was a kid who didn't know what they wanted to do, who found a game that felt like it was supposed to be frightening but wasn't. And I felt so, like, you know, emotionally connected to it. And it really, really changed my life, genuinely. I think that game helped me through some really difficult, st like, times in my life. Even though it was, like, there's no gameplay to it. You walk around, you ask him about things in his house, and he tells you about them. And it's just like, it's strange and it's weird and I genuinely love it. I think it's, I, I think to sort of bring it all back to, around to uh, indie games as the, you know, the, the single, you know, the, the creation of a single person or a small group of people, um, you know, the fact that, you know, when it's a single director, when it's a single person, it's the story that they want to tell. It's the story that they, you know, wanted to tell for maybe a long time now, or maybe it's a story that they've only recently wanted like to tell, but they've always had that story in them. Uh, that that you know they are able to tell with complete and to total and like utter freedom and a like wild abandon without somebody breathing down their neck and without worrying you know how is this going to relate to people and without worrying about sales figures and stuff like that. I think you know indie games sometimes are like that, right? Sometimes it's just you're a menacing little goose in a small English village. And sometimes it's we want to tell a story about uh, a time traveler who goes back to Rome and gets stuck in a time loop. Uh, and sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's just sitting down with a stranger and, you know, letting them hear about you and your life and finding some way to reach out and connect with somebody. You know, it's these it's it's these things that one you don't have to worry about some things you're allowed to have a little more freedom with others right where you sacrifice on uh maybe you know budget you sacrifice on you know not having a, a, a huge team of coders to delegate to you end up you know working on a lot of that yourself and you find a bit of yourself and you share that piece of yourself with whoever's willing to listen and sometimes whoever's willing to listen is the world. You put that very nicely. 
This was the Power Source Podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.